Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. The we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pounds. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. Welcome to Mission Evolution Radio Show with Gwilda Wiaka, bringing together today's leading experts to uncover ever-deepening spiritual truths and the latest scientific developments in support of the evolution of humankind. For more information on Mission Evolution Radio with Gwilda Wiaka, visit www.missionevolution.org. And now, here's the host of Mission Evolution, Miss Gwilda Wiaka. Hello, my visionary friends. Thank you for joining us on another exciting adventure into future possibilities. This is Mission Evolution, where we share innovative thoughts and information with today's leading experts, bringing evolutionary solutions to today's unique challenges. This hour, we'll explore where medical intuition meets modern medicine. While many may not be clear on what they do and how, most of us have heard about medical intuitives. What's not commonly known is that medical intuition well predates allopathic medicine. As one example, all indigenous shamans use some form of medical intuition to diagnose and treat their people. Shamanism is between 50 to 60,000 years old. The old crone in her cottage on the hill, wild harvesting herbs and treating the villagers, most likely used the training from her mentor combined with a large dose of medical intuition to do so. Many allopathic drugs used today are derivatives or synthesized forms of those very herbs. When asked how they diagnose an obscure illness, doctors have been known to say, well, I did all the tests and looked at all the evidence, but I just kept getting this gut feeling. What is a gut feeling if not intuition? In our modern approach to diagnosis and treatment, have we thrown out the baby with the bathwater? Is there a place in modern medicine for medical intuition? Is there a way to marry the two forms? How would the face of medicine change if we were to incorporate both? With us this hour to explore the value and uses of medical intuitive approaches is Wendy Coulter. Wendy is the author of Essentials of Medical Intuition, A Visionary Approach to Wellness. She's a certified medical intuitive practitioner, certified wellness coach, certified biofield balance practitioner and teacher. 
Wendy serves as fellowship faculty for the Academy for Integrative Health and Medicine, rotating faculty for the Andrew Wheel Center for Integrative Medicine program, and is on the Bio, Energy, and Health Committee of the Intuitive Health Policy Consortium. Her research in medical intuition is published in peer-reviewed journal of the Alternative Complementary Medicine and Global Advances in Health and Medicine. She's collaborating with the University of California, San Diego School of Medicine on a gold standard study in recognition of the increasing value of medical intuition in clinical setting and the need for scientific research. Her website, thepracticalpath.com. Wendy, thank you so much for joining us on Mission Evolution. Well, thank you. What a lovely introduction. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. So you have some interesting education. What was your first educational background? Uh, Well, you know, I didn't come up through the medical world. I'm very typical of sort of the more old school medical intuitives in that um, I noticed I had this funny ability to see how people were feeling (laughs) from a young age (laughs) and uh, developed over time. Um, but I work very, very closely with doctors and nurses and uh, other people in the healthcare field. And I also teach this skill to doctors and nurses and other healthcare professionals. And it's a very, it's a wonderful and powerful skill for um, healthcare assessment, really like no other. So, uh, again, when you're trying to move from what you're picking up um, on a personal level Mm -hmm. into the medical field, did you have to study some medicine and anatomy and stuff so that you know what you're seeing and feeling? Uh, You know, my skill is seeing rather than feeling, which is an interesting distinction we can discuss if you'd like. But the answer to that is absolutely yes. If uh, in order to have this basically two-way conversation between someone's body (laughs) and me, which is the essence of medical intuition, the way I I use it, Um, I needed to know what was going on, like what is the function of the liver, what is the function of the nervous system, what is the function of, you know, the, the endocrine glands and things like that. So I did need to study basic anatomy and physiology, but I have to tell you, it's pretty basic. It's not, you know, four years of anatomy training, but it's enough for me to hold a conscious, um, intelligent conversation with the, the body. So let's talk about how this information comes to you. You say you see. What what other options are there? Oh, there's many. <laughs> there are as many options as there are intuitives out there. But the main um, intuitive skills that sets that are recognized are the clairs. And your listeners may have heard this word. Clair is a French word meaning clear. Uh, and there are several versions of that. The one that's most common is clear knowing or clear cognizance. And pretty much everybody has that experience. That's when you just know something. You mentioned it, a gut feeling. That's a gut feeling. I just know what I know. I have no idea how I know it. (laughs) And uh, that's very common. Um, Clear sentience is clear feeling. Another very common intuitive experience, meaning I feel the emotions or feelings or even physical pains of others. And that is something that nurses often um, often use without really realizing it. The word we have in our society for this, Gwilda, is compassion, meaning we feel the feelings of others. It's a very exalted, intuitive state for humans. 
So is um, it also is it also uh, empathy, um, physical yes, empathy? Like another way you to feel say in it. your you feel in your physical body what's going on in the other person's. Correct. Empathy is sort of the newer way to say it. Same idea. Um, and the thing about that is when you're looking at the physical body or working with it as a medical intuitive does, my way of uh, – what that can be is quite overwhelming. In, in the medical world, they call it compassion fatigue, <clears throat> meaning they're just so overwhelmed by the emotions, thoughts, feelings, physical issues of others that it's, it's, it's very difficult in that situation. And I found that in my career, uh, the visual seeing is the most useful in that I can see into the body. That's called clairvoyance and voyance means to see. Um, so it is, it's a skill set that can be developed. Most people don't realize you can develop these. And uh, that's where I come in because I can teach people, I teach people how to look into the body, how to look into the life story, how to look into what's going on from every perspective, emotional, mental, physical, and spiritual. Altogether, that makes up a whole person perspective. And that's what healthcare really uh, is has been missing for a very long time. In your career, you certainly know that. And it's what healthcare is moving towards. And we're seeing now a wonderful uh, movement towards something called integrative healthcare. Integrative means conventionally trained Western medicine doctors looking at what is, used to be called complementary and alternative and still is complementary and alternative practices like medical intuition, like shamanism, like Reiki, like acupuncture, frankly, and incorporating it or integrating it into a healthcare plan for a patient, which is brilliant. That's exactly what, you know, healers have been wanting forever. <laughs> Many of so them, maybe not all of them. <laughs> let's back up just a little bit. You were talking about seeing, seeing into mm -hmm. a person's body or seeing into a person's emotions. How does that register? It's not like you're just literally seeing with your eyes. What, what yeah. is it? So uh, every one of these intuitive skills has a correlation with something that we already understand. And as I mentioned, um, Clairsentience has to do with empathy or compassion. Uh, claircognizance has to do with knowingness or a gut feeling. Clairvoyance has to do with the mind's eye. And we already know about mind's eye visualization. If you've done any guided imagery, you know how to use your mind's eye. And that is actually a metaphorical muscle that we can work and get stronger and learn how to use in this format. It seems that... Uh, there might be a little bit of difficulty trying to discern what is yours and what you're picking up from another person. How do you work with that? Yes, that comes into a whole discussion about the, the term neutrality or being neutral in your energy. And it is one of the reasons that I work with uh, clairvoyance or this clear seeing ability because it is very, very neutral. It's an observational assessment skill as opposed to a feeling or empathic skill where it can get a little cloudy and you're not sure what's yours and what's somebody else's. So that's a big part of the curriculum is how to how to work with this neutral, intuitive stance so that you're not overwhelmed by other people's emotions, thoughts, feelings, and physical issues. How about audio? Is there, um, can you have a fireside chat with the liver? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, clear audience is the hearing skill. 
That's a very interesting skill. And it's actually something that I was uh, gifted with quite young. Uh, I remember, I'll tell you a little story. Um, I thought everybody could do this. This was uh, probably about six years old and maybe my first intuitive memory. Uh, driving in the car with my mother and humming a song to myself. And I remember saying to my mom, turn the radio on, please. There's a song I like that's playing. And my mother, not giving it much thought, turned the radio on, and there it was, exactly where I was hearing it in my head. And honestly, Gwilda, I thought everybody could do this. I didn't think it was anything different. But that's an example of clear audience, just hearing uh, hearing things that uh, are accurate in some way. So how does hearing a song in your head um, relate to getting information about a person's uh, well-being? Well, I use clairvoyance, um, so I'm looking. So what I'm doing in my mind's eye is basically scanning the body from top to bottom, uh, looking for any energetic imbalances, and uh, going deeper as needed. I can go down to the cellular level. Uh, in terms of what's going on for somebody. And again, I know this sounds a little fantastical, but it's it's a skill that can be developed and learned. And I've been very successful in training um, healthcare pro- wellness professionals, I should say, from all across the spectrum, this very specific skill. So, so let's back up again. The question I asked was, how does re- the uh, Clara audience register when you're trying to figure out what's going on with a person? Yes. Well, I I don't use it as much as clair. My point is that I use the clairvoyant techniques, the visual techniques. So I don't need to hear anything from the person. We don't need to chat. (laughs) It's nice to have a chat, but it's not necessary. Uh, Clairaudience, claircognizance, they play into it, but only as a touch point. My job as a medical intuitive is to view the body, to see what's going on. And with that, I can get much more uh, detailed information. But do you, when, when you are tuning into the Clara audience, do you, do you hear language? Do, what, what do you hear? Um, it's mostly uh, information from the body, having something to say. <laughs> and I'll say, okay, let's take a look at that. <laughs> You know, it's a conversation. Yeah. So, so it's verbal. It can it's, be. It can be. Or it can just, show up. Go ahead. Yeah. Mostly, it shows up in visuals. Like, um, if the liver is sad, it might have a sad face. For example, if it's overburdened, it might look like it's overloaded in some way. So, all of the visuals are very uh, fascinating to look at. They're always interesting, and they always have a message. So your 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 default really is the uh, the visual. What if some and we're just about out of time in this in this segment. But what if somebody's default is the audio? How are they going to work with that? Well, in my program, I train people to learn how to work that muscle of visual seeing, and I can give you a lot of reasons why for that. Mostly is because we'll get more information from the visual than we would only from the audio audio or any other. Uh, and there's good reasons for that. I can give you a story about that after we come back from the break, if you'd like. Well, we will have to go on to a break here shortly. But these um, different ways of viewing, I find it very, very interesting that you yes. can train and strengthen the muscle. So I'd yeah. like to go into that on the other side as well. Sure. However, 
it is time for a commercial break. Wendy and I will return shortly, so don't you go away. This is Mission Evolution, coming to you on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net, and the Exxon TV channel, www.exxontvchannel.com. genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas. To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Hello again. This is Mission Evolution, missionevolution.org, dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness. To our faithful and thoughtful audience, we really value your opinion and would love to hear from you. What do you think about medical intuition's role in modern medicine? This in from a member of our audience regarding the episode entitled, Resonant Frequencies, Sacred Sites, and the Acoustics of the Divine. B.A. shares, I'm a devout Christian and well aware of the power to be found in the house of God. That other structures carry this power was a real eye-opener. I have to say, I'm still struggling with the information. Thanks for sharing your experience, B.A. I guess it just goes to show God can be found anywhere when we listen. Curious dear audience? Visit our archives at missionevolution.org. Listen to the episode entitled Earth's Resonant Frequencies, Sacred Sites, and the Acoustic Science of the Divine, and let us know what you think. Email me at info at missionevolution.org and give me your thoughts or questions so we can all share them on the next show. With us this hour discussing medical intuition is Wendy Coulter. Her website, thepracticalpath.com. Wendy, there... All of these uh, clairaudience, clairvoyance, do do they come in on the, uh, what channel do they come in on? Is it, is it the imagination? Is that where it's being picked up? Yeah, you nailed it. Um, one thing I want to say about all of this intuitive material, all of these intuitive skills, is they're actually innate. They're inherent in our natures. And we live in a society now that does not recognize the inherent nature of intuition, yet we all use it. 
<laughs> and most of us use it every day. Mother's intuition, gut feelings, um, you know, imagination in terms of using your mind's eye, which is that visual skill we were talking about. Um, all of this is about imagination and everybody was born with one. So it's a very important thing to understand that these are not supernatural skills or otherworldly skills. They are very, very human <laughs> and they're accessible. So how do you know if you're not just making it up mm -hmm. versus actually receiving information from the other person? That is a learning curve. That's part of the process of learning to trust your intuition. And trusting intuition is, you know, it takes time. It's like anything else. I liken the process to learning a new language or learning to play an instrument or something along those lines. You know, you would give yourself the time to study, to learn, to practice. People often put a lot of pressure on themselves for intuitive skill. And I would say, don't do that. <laughs> give yourself time to practice it. And as you go, you'll find it gets stronger the more you use it. So are you telling me that just anyone off the street can in train to be a medical intuitive? Well, anyone can do intuitive work, yes, if they put the time in. That's my opinion about it. Um, and, and I don't mean just the medical intuitive part, but any kind of intuition because it's so hardwired into the human, you know, into our natures. Uh, in terms of who can be a medical intuitive, I'm not one to say, but I will tell you that in my programs, I only train wellness professionals. And the reason is, uh, the skill is really meant to be used in healthcare. And my mission is to have medical intuition accepted into integrative healthcare, so that we can be part of the care team, uh, the, in, in a care plan for a patient. I'll, I'll tell you, Gwilda, we already are, it's just not very well known. Uh, we did a survey late last year, and we found that 82% of medical intuitives are assisting or working with uh, licensed healthcare, healthcare providers directly with, and that was a revelation. Nobody really knew that. We also found that 86% of the medical intuitives that we surveyed receive referrals from uh, licensed healthcare practitioners, which is now, part are you of talking about you're talking mm -hmm. about professional medical intuitives. Well, people who identify and have a practice as medical intuitives, yes. Right, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um, that brings up my next question, and I think this is a really important question. Just because you can see it doesn't mean you know what it really means. Um, is that why you um, make sure that there's a medical professional involved in the equation? Um, par partly yes, partly no. Um, I would say that the information from the body is pretty darn clear. And when I see something, I can explain what it is I see. <clears throat> what I cannot do is diagnose. That's outside of my legal scope of practice. Uh, so what I always have my clients do is work closely with their doctors and their care team with this information that they can take to them. So if I see something, I'm going to describe what it is, and I'm going to give the, my client enough information to take it to their doctor for, uh, you know, the, the next steps, which would be diagnosis, prescription, or whatever else is needed. Um, and that's the way I find medical intuition to be most useful for non-licensed, non-diagnostic practitioners, of which there are many, as well as many, many doctors, nurses, um, mental health care professionals that are licensed professionals that actually use it in their practices, maybe without their patients even knowing. <laughs> well, don't they all actually, like, you know, like <laughs> all we said, ones. I got a gut level feeling that it was this and not that. 
The so. good ones do, yeah. And they're mm-hmm. the ones that, you know, you recommend to your friends. This this person really seemed to be pretty sharp. So, yes, intuition in healthcare. I loved what you said in the beginning. Um, and that is sort of the magic sauce, the special sauce that is difficult to di- discuss and train in healthcare. However, I've been very blessed um, in my position as an instructor I've been teaching first, uh, excuse me, fourth-year medical students and integrative health professionals about medical intuition, and it's it's wonderful to see this skill become more and more accepted in terms of awareness uh, in the uh, in the conventional medicine world. Have you observed that your layperson, when listening to a medical intuitive, because it seems kind of out there, a lot of do some people glom onto it, take it, and run? Um, and how do you prepare your students to manage that? Um, I'm not quite sure what your question is. Um, You're talking about some the people, client. Some yes, the client. Some people are very. Um, skeptical, but mm-hmm. others, it's like just because it's intuitive information, it's like the holy grail. Yeah. And yeah. and so when you're giving them information, and you don't necessarily know what the diagnosis is, but you're giving the client information, how do you shortstop them from taking that information as gospel and drawing their own conclusions? Well, one of the, it's such a good question, Gwilda. You know, no one's ever asked me that. <laughs> I really appreciate the question. Really, what we're talking about here, if I can paraphrase is ethics, right? How do we need to be ethical practitioners so that our our clients understand the information that we're imparting, number one, and number two, how to use it, right? So um, my program is heavy on ethics uh, because we need to be aware of any kind of potential power differential, right? That's one ethical consideration. The fact that it's intuitive information and not coming from, you know, your doctor, which people are very, can very much blow off <laughs> and do, <clears throat> which is why there's a lot of noncompliance and things like that. Um, but intuitive information, we're not 100% right all of the time. You know, I will tell you that uh, we did a study a couple of years ago, which was just um, published in uh, the Journal of Alternative and Complementary Medicine, where we looked at the accuracy levels of my graduates, because nothing like this had been done before. There are very, very few studies on medical intuition out there. And I looked at that and I said, you know, I know my students are getting very high accuracy rates. What is it really? If you don't mind me talking about that now, I can tell you some of the results. Well, uh, for sure, but I, I wanted to ask you, um, how do you discern this? Are you comparing it to MRIs? How, how, how is the study done? How can you tell accuracy? Well, this study was a qualitative study, meaning we did a, a survey post-session. The sessions were blinded, meaning the medical intuitives had no... Um, awareness of what the client came in with. We ask no questions. Uh, there's no health intake and no no records. So it, on one hand, it was <clears throat> considered what they call qualitative, meaning uh, the subject's responses on, in an anonymous survey is what we were going by. The study at UCSD that is a gold standard study, meaning we can corroborate it with medical records, that will happen hopefully once it gets funded later. But this pilot study gave us enough data that we were thrilled with that actually was the reason why we were able to get a proposal at UCSD for a major study. So what we found was in these sessions, uh, the medical intuitives were rated 
as 94% accurate in location and evaluation of the primary physical health issue of the client. Um, that was astounding. We haven't seen numbers like that ever, and we were thrilled to see it. How, um, how did they discern that? So was the, the primary health issue already known by a medical no. doctor and documented by a medical doctor? How, how did they tell that the, that level of accuracy was there? That was from the, the uh, anonymous survey that the client filled out afterwards. Did the medical intuitive nail your primary physical issue? Yes or no? <laughs> scale okay, of one so to, it was on a scale of one to five. Yes, subjective, subjective on the part of the client. Yes, it is. This pilot study could only be subjective because I wasn't able to work with a medical center at the time. Okay, but so it was. So then again, yeah. we're we're just relying on what the client thinks is going on with them. Well, sure, but most people come in with something, Gwilda. Most people come in with a knowledge of something. Right, but are they carrying that in their field, and is that what the medical intuitive is reading versus what's going on in the body? Well, you know, it, we'll know that when we're able to do a gold standard study. But I will tell you this. One of the pieces of data that we asked, the questions that we asked, is probably going to answer your question more accurately. We asked the subjects if they had received a definitive medical diagnosis from a doctor. Do they know definitively what they have? Not that they told the medical intuitive. We just asked if they did know it. It was a yes-no question. 49% said yes and of that 49 uh, that 49 percent we said if you said yes how consistent was the medical intuitive and this is kind of as close as we could get to empirical data right 94 percent rated the medical intuitive consistent or completely consistent with that known diagnosis so that was as far as we could get in our pilot study but i'll tell you what that 94 percent perked everyone's ears up uh, the doctors that I've been working with, the, who already knew that, you know, I and my students had high accuracy, the uh, medical UCSD medical school people, they went, okay, there's something here. That goes a little beyond subjective because there's, you know, that could be corroborated if we went further with it. Uh, but again, you still have to look at the fact that if indeed we're intuitively reading a person's body and their field, we mm -hmm. could also intuitively be reading what they know versus what's really going on in the field. Is that correct? Well, yes and no. Um, you know, the process, I can't really, honestly, Gwilda, I can't speak for other intuitives. I can only speak for my process. And I can tell you that um, the accuracy rate of 94 plus percent plus, and actually for a secondary health issue, the, all of the, everyone who did this uh, work with us, and we had 67 respondents, which is you know, a pretty good number, 100% said the medical intuitive located and evaluated their secondary health concerns at accurate, accurately. So we're seeing very high accuracy numbers, even from a subjective qualitative standpoint, which is valuable. I mean, 67 people aren't going to all lie. <laughs> They're going to tell you their impression. And that's the only thing we could gather at the time. So all of this is leading to um, a gold standard study where we will have medical records that can be corroborated afterwards. And that's what we're hoping for. Medical intuition has not developed an evidence base at this point in time, unfortunately. And what we're seeing in the past are very, very small studies, not with 67 people, maybe with three or four people um, and one or two medical intuitives. And, and it's just not at all uh, coming up with data that makes any sense. So this was the first data in over 20 years that has been gathered on this skill 
in the United States that we're aware of. And the fact that we came out with these very high numbers was incredibly encouraging. Very encouraging and got you foot in the door for more studies. Yeah. <laughs> but um, as, as far as, re- we're about out of time in this segment, but as far as reducing variables, it would be interesting to see, mm-hmm. uh, would it not, uh, what it would be like if the client didn't know uh, what well, was going on that, with them. Yeah, we you know, see I, that too, of course. We see that right. too. But again, it is time for another quick pause. Wendy and I will return to our discussion shortly, so you stay right there. This is Mission Evolution, coming to you on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net, and the Exxon TV channel, www.exxontvchannel.com. Welcome back. This is Mission Evolution. Did you know our entire Leading Edge information-packed past episode collection is available to listen or download with our compliments? Visit our archives, www.missionevolution.org, for our ever-growing selection of guests and topics. To find out more about me, Gulda Wiecka, and the other things I offer, visit www.findyourpathhome.com. Our special guest this hour is Wendy Coulter. We're speaking about the effectiveness of medical intuition. Her website, thepracticalpath.com. Wendy, we were, uh, again, talking about studies and and very impressive uh, results that you've gotten given, the limitations of what you had to work with. Um, Would you mind relaying um, quickly uh, an example of, of the results that you got? Oh sure, sure. I'd be happy to. Um, one of the um, one of the, the the skills of medical intuition is not only to look at the body; it's also to look at the life story, because we want to look at the whole picture of why something happened, where did it come from, why does it persist, things like that. And uh, one of the case studies I like to talk about is a client of mine. Um, who wanted me to take a look at her wrist. She was having a very persistent case of tendonitis. She'd had it for about a month. And from her perspective, it came out of the blue. It was not anything she could relate, you know, something in her life to. And it wasn't going away. None of the things she tried had worked. And she asked me to look at it. Now, everybody knows tendonitis can be very persistent, (laughs) especially in the wrist, uh, where you're using it a lot. But I took a look at it. And The process of medical intuition, the way I practice it, is to look at the body very much like you could uh, relate it to maybe an MRI. I look at the physical anatomy. So when I looked at her wrist, I saw uh, inflamed tendons. And underneath the tendons, I saw a very old bone scar that it healed over, like the bone had been broken. And around the wrist, I also saw a cloud of emotion. And the emotion was sadness and grief. And that was the, what was going on for her physically and emotionally there. Now, the life story is the next piece of this. And it's like watching a little movie in someone's, you know, held in someone's body. What I saw was uh, an image of her about 20 years prior in her 20s. She was in her 40s when I saw her. 
in her early 20s playing tennis with her boyfriend and she swung her racket and she tripped and fell and broke her wrist and that was where that yeah that was where that broken bone came from and the next scene her wrist showed me was her in the uh, hospital room with her boyfriend getting her wrist taped up and her boyfriend breaking up with her in the hospital room oh my yes and what her wrist was showing me was Uh, something that's not uncommon to see in the body, and that is an emotional, physical trauma that had occurred that the body stored, it held on to. And again, this is something that bodies can do. Uh, So when I told her what I was seeing, she had a little aha moment, (laughs) and she said, oh my gosh, she had had no memory of playing tennis with her boyfriend. I mean, she remembered breaking her wrist, but she didn't remember the details of it. Uh, But she said, you know what, I'm going through a breakup with my partner now, and she said, it, my partner broke up with me a month ago, just before the wrist flared up. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. and this is mm-hmm. something that we see over and over again, the body holding on to trauma of some kind and having it reactivate when another trauma happens. Not unusual. Now, what was interesting about this story is that her wrist had more to show. And the next scene it showed me was her at about age five, Uh, kind of huddled in a dark closet, holding her arm up with that same wrist for protection and a cane striking her wrist right there. Uh And it it looked like it was wielded by a woman. And she stopped me in my tracks. She said, my mother was mentally ill. She used to beat me with a cane and lock me in in a closet. And so that was very telling. Her wrist in that very same spot had been holding on to a lifetime of grief, pain, heartbreak, emotional trauma, physical trauma, spiritual trauma, if you will. And it it, it just continued through her life, and here she was. Now, no one had ever put those pieces together for her, right? As a medical intuitive, her wrist showed me what what was in there for her to be aware of. Now this, I also this brings up some some really interesting questions. Yeah, hold on, let me what? let me finish the okay. thought because this is really the kicker. Okay. Uh, this doesn't always happen, but with this client and why I like to tell this case study is the power of that knowledge, the power of that awareness. Uh, I called her a couple of days later. Oh, by the way, as a medical intuitive, the stuff that I gave her to take to the, her doctor was pretty much things she was already doing. It was the wrist was asking for ice. It was asking for you know to not move a lot. It was asking for acupuncture, things like that. She'd already done a lot of that, but really what the issue for her was this emotional trauma that hadn't been released there. So when I called her a couple days later to see how she was, she said the wrist was back to normal. That's amazing. And she was working out her emotions with her former partner. You know, I mean, it's just brilliant. (laughs) you got to love the body. It's it's an amazing machine, isn't it? So the the question that I... one of the questions that this story brought up for me mm-hmm. is instead of like a blood test or an MRI, which are snapshots in the moment, mm-hmm. it sounds to me like medical intuitive moves backwards and forwards in time. Yes. How does it do that? <laughs> it's part of the intuitive process, Gwilda. It's part of the ability to uh, see what the body is holding on to, where it came from. It's fascinating. We can create, these are what I call little, you know, sort of energetic disruptions or energetic damage or trauma, whatever you want to call it, that block or slow down or uh, impede the flow of energy through the body and the biofield, meaning the chakra system, the auric field. And when there's any impedance in that flow, no matter what it is, whether it's emotional trauma, physical trauma, on and on and on, um, 
it, it sets up sort of a propensity for later issues or things that could potentially uh, manifest. And what's fascinating to me about this whole thing is this is what medical intuitives have been seeing for centuries. Science is finally catching up, if I can say it that way. Uh, there's in psychology, there's a whole field called um, uh, psychoneuroimmunology, which is how the body and mind work together. Plus, uh, there's a lot of studies being done on what are called ACEs or adverse childhood experiences having to do with early life trauma and later life health effects. And I'm telling you, this is medical intuition. We've been seeing this forever. Now, we're seeing the specifics of it, and we're seeing the reasons for it and why the body is reactive in a certain way. It's fascinating. So the body is basically um, a time machine. It's mm -hmm. holding a record of prior damage. That's very well said, yes. It is very much a time machine. Okay. So... Um, is this also like, well, you think about a car, you're driving a car and you hit a big bump and you don't notice right away. But over time, what's happened is you, you've messed with the integrity of, say, the, the wheel, the front wheel. And as the wear and tear, now the integrity isn't there, then it starts to create drag, create friction and eventually breaks down. Is, is medical intuitive able to see before breaking down that there's a potential for that? Yeah, that, that can show up for sure. Absolutely. We can see, well, what we can see is if there's any um, imbalances somewhere that might potentially lead to something. But again, we're not prognosing and we're not diagnosing. All we can do is tell somebody that there's a, you know, potential for something and it would be worth discussing it with your doctor, your healthcare professional who can run tests and diagnose and things like that. So it's valuable in that way. But it's not, a, it's not a prognosis by any stretch. Do you have to be careful with it so that a person, again, doesn't take it and run? Well, um, all of this, again, Golda, has to do with ethics and how things are languaged. And it's a big pet peeve for me. Um, there are a lot of healers out there that are not following good ethics. And, you know, it's why it's such a major component of the program. Energy ethics, and I don't just mean in medical intuition, in Reiki and energy healing and, you know, other many, many, and I'm not singling out Reiki, but many energy practitioners are not they are not aware of the power differential there and it's I think it's something that really needs to come to light so as a medical intuitive especially when you're working directly with the body we have to be extremely careful with that absolutely so where did where did you first come up with the ethics issue did you get that in one of the things you were studying or did it just occur to you you know i mean they they train medical professionals about I ethics sure do. Um, but they, apparently they don't are are more esoteric people yeah, it's unfortunate. Um, there are some good resources out there. Um, Midge Murphy uh, has a wonderful book. You can look her up on Amazon. Uh, she is um, uh, a former attorney who is also an energy healer, and her book is just the, the gold standard. It's actually part of my curriculum. Uh, students need to read that. So anyone out there listening to this, it'll give you a very good grounding in what energy ethics are about. Um, in my in my profession. <laughs> I understood from a, a long time ago that I can't be telling people, um, I have to watch how I language things, number one, to protect myself, but number two, to protect the client. And maybe that's number one, to protect the client. Um, because what we want to give people is valuable, useful information. 
We're not here to scare people. We're here to take a look and see what's going on for them. And what's really interesting about this, Gwilda, is that um, one of my favorite quotes is from Dean Ornish. Dean Ornish is, of course, a lifestyle medicine you know, guru, <laughs> so to speak. Uh, he's been uh, in, in that kind of area of health and wellness for a long time. And he said, awareness is the first step in healing which I love that quote because that's exactly what we're talking about. Be an ethical practitioner. Give people an, you know, the information that can help them become aware and let them take that and get the help that they need. So I see medical intuition as a way to help build a path to wellness for clients. Very right? Because statement. I'm not, yeah. Mm-hmm. The way you've been talking about it, uh, okay, in one sense, you're you're seeing what the emotion the wrist felt. In another mm-hmm. sense, you're seeing the prior break that's possibly causing uh, structural um, mm-hmm. issues. So how do you know um, and control where you're focusing your attention when getting in- information in a medical intuitive way? That's part of the program. It's a very sequential uh process. Um, And, you know, when I started teaching, I knew that I wanted to teach um, doctors, nurses, healthcare professionals. Therefore, (laughs) I needed to create a very structured program because these are very left brain people. (laughs) And they should be, they have to be, uh, because they have a lot of information to absorb in medical school and in their trainings. This is a very right brain process. So um, my job was to create a program that really synthesized the two so that the material can be um, absorbed, learned, used. And my program is a one-year program. It's actually nine months of study and case reports and a lot of, you know, material and there's homework to do and things like that. And at the end of it, the numbers that I gave you from the study that we did, the 94% accuracy, uh, we had 98% accuracy in description of life experiences that were uh, linked to the healthcare issues. And um, we just had, you know, wonderful numbers. All of those studies, all of those um, sessions were done by the graduates who had just graduated their nine-month program. And so, so that, mm-hmm. again, how do you tell what level, physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, um, structural, um, energetic, how do you tell where you're looking? Oh, that's that's part of the discernment uh, process of medical intuition that I teach. Um, and it's all very specific. It's very broken down that way, physical, emotional, mental, spiritual. So uh, I, what can I say? It's part of the curriculum. So, um, so do you use your intention as to where you're going to be looking? Um, we talk to the body. We ask the body, tell us and show us, show us where, where it, we need to look. That's the conversation. Okay. And so then is the body able to tell you, well, this is a um, um, chemical imbalance issue. This is a structural issue. Yes, that's the problem. That's a full body scan. When you do a full body scan, it's like looking at the body and going down through the body and seeing where the energy is not moving properly or things look like there's an anomaly there. It's all part of that visual training that I do. It's fascinating and always interesting. (laughs) Well, it's that magic moment. We need to take another commercial break. Great. Wendy and I will be back shortly to continue this discussion. So you don't want to go away. This is Mission Evolution coming to you on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net, and the Exxon TV channel, www.exxontvchannel.com. 
We will be back shortly. Welcome back. This is Mission Evolution, bringing together gifted people of service to the world. I love to hear from our audience. Your thoughts are very important to me. To suggest a topic or guest you think would be of interest, email us, info at missionevolution.org. To find out about, more about me, Gwilda my school, and the other evolutionary tools we offer, visit www.findyourpathhome.com. This hour, we're sharing thoughts with Wendy Coulter. Her website, thepracticalpath.com. Wendy, we were talking about um, how we get our information um, and from what level we're getting our information. Do you find some levels easier to interpret and understand than others? Say, for instance, structural versus uh, systemic. Um, No, I don't. It's such a good question, too, Gwilda. I don't find that there are any... uh, because I need to know what's going on in the body uh, as as a medical intuitive, there is no one area that's more difficult or easier than another, uh, and that's that doesn't come up in in a session. So, do you find that some of your students are more gifted in one uh, reading one area than another? No, I don't, because I teach uh, components of anatomy and physiology. We need to know what's going on. We need to know what we're looking at, put it that way. <laughs> but I will tell you this, the body is full of surprises. And even some of the medical doctors I teach don't have as deep a knowledge of, um, because a lot of them are specialists. So they have a deep knowledge of one area of the body, but not another. And it would take you 20 lifetimes to learn everything. (laughs) So letting the body show you is just a fascinating thing. And I learn things all the time from looking at my clients' bodies and the other information. It's, It's always an education for me as well. Do you find that the way the body works together versus being segregated into different parts shows up more in medical intuitive than it does in medical testing? Without question. That is actually one of the biggest um, boons of medical intuition is that we see the body as a whole. We're not looking at it as a, as a series of you know disembodied parts. <laughs> everything affects everything. Uh, and I tell my students, you know, the toe bone is connected to the ear bone. It's all the same thing. Um, so when we look, we're looking at the systems. We're looking at related systems. We're looking to see how this affects that. And that's a big, big shift. That is really whole person care, which is a big buzzword right now. But it, it takes into account the entire physical and emotional, mental, spiritual structures. So it sounds to me like you would need a translation point because the <laughs> medical doctors are trained in pieces, parts, and mm-hmm. the medical intuitive is probably bombarded with the totality of the, of the body. Uh, physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. How do you train your people to create that translation point for your medical professionals? 
Yes. So number one, I'm just going to uh, clue in on the word bombarded. <laughs> Uh, because many people do feel bombarded. And one of my jobs in as a trainer and in my programs is to remove the bombarding feeling. That's a very common intuitive feeling. It's just too much information. So the learning curve is about learning how to work with that information, how to moderate it, how to modify it, and how to get it so that, you know, it's, it, the, the intuitive is in charge of what is going to be looked at, not the, not the energy, if I can say that it, that way. Um, your question again. I'm sorry. I went off on a... Um, we're trying to find a translation point. Oh, translation. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the, it's about the description. So I'm going to describe what I see so that the client has language to tell their healthcare professionals. And, and it's really about describing. And here's the thing. Sometimes it looks like the actual physical anatomy, and sometimes it looks like an energetic representation or a, uh, a symbolic representation or an exaggeration or something like that. So I may see colors or shapes or symbols, and I may see the kidney and something else having to do with that. Um, and all of that information can be translated by the medical professionals. Why doctors love working with medical intuitives once they get the hang of it. They love it because they're the ones who can translate that information into a diagnosis, and it's brilliant. I'm writing a book, and I've been um, fortunate to be able to interview several doctors who are willing to speak with me about this, and every one of them said that. They said the information we get from the medical intuitive is invaluable because we're able to understand it from a you know medically trained perspective and come to the right diagnoses given that information that we wouldn't have had before. Is there a huge gap between uh, the concept of diagnosis and what's actually going on intuitive-wise when you look in? Oh, there's a huge gap there because uh, of the legality of it, <laughs> number one, um, but the and the translation of it. And you don't want to go to any kind of healer for a diagnosis. I'm sorry. Please don't do that. Please take that information to your licensed healthcare provider. You can get treatment uh, from an energy healer, of course. Um, unless your practitioner is licensed to diagnose, don't accept a diagnosis, please. It's, right. it's a big I, misunderstanding out there, in my opinion. I totally agree with you. My question, I didn't, uh, I needed to state it a little differently. Mm-hmm. My question was actually, you know, the medical profession has these boxes of diagnosis. They take these yeah. symptoms and then they put them together and they come pop out with the diagnosis. Yeah. Is it different when you're looking at the body? And is there a translation point where you have to say, well, um, you put all these factors together and that might be the diagnosis, but the body's telling me that there's more to it than that uh, beyond what what people yeah. know right now. Yeah, it's it's such a new field, Wilda, you know, that people aren't really, the fact that I'm, you know, teaching doctors and, and you know, at, at faculty on these, in these wonderful organizations, is, this is a, a new area, it's brand new, and I would say within the next 10, 20 years, we're going to start to see more of this moving into um, integrative medicine, which, or functional medicine, which is the, the, the handle for these uh, doctors who are willing and wanting to integrate these more alternative practices. And like I said, you know, we saw such a high number of medical intuitives that are already doing this behind the scenes. I've been doing this for years. Doctors have called me for years to look at their, you know, patients to help them with their issues. Getting a correct diagnosis is everything from the pain, patient's point of view, right? We need to know what's going on so we can get the right treatment. Um, and that is, that is the challenge in medicine, 
So what you just described is what many doctors call cookie-cutter medicine. It's algorithmic. You have this, this, and that. It means that. And there's so many people that fall outside the spectrum of that, you know, that algorithm. These are the people that come to see medical intuitives and say, I can't get an answer from the healthcare conventional world. They keep telling me nothing's wrong, but I know something's wrong. Let me give you a story real quick. And this um, case study is what changed my perspective about medical intuition. And I realized this was many, many years ago, early in my practice. I've been doing this for 20 years, over 20 years. I realized at that point that medical intuition was such an important skill that it needed to be brought into healthcare. I had a, um, a client who uh, was suffering from back pain, like mid-back kidney area. She'd been to oh, just a dozen specialists. Nobody could find anything. And again, this was probably about 18, 19 years ago. And when I looked at her, um, and she, by the way, the, the doctors told her it was psychosomatic. They couldn't find a reason for her pain. So they told her it was psychosomatic. They put her on opioids for the pain because she was clearly in pain. And they put her on antidepressants because it was a terrible situation for her. She couldn't get an answer. And she was depressed. Um, when I looked at her, um, her kidneys, I saw a tiny, tiny crystallization. It was actually too small for the testing at the time to definitively pick up. And it had moved out of her kidney and into the top of her ureter tube, and it stuck there, and it wasn't moving. And so my job as a medical intuitive was to ask the, the kidney what it needed. And the kidney said, go see a surgeon. I'm like, okay. So it was showing me it needed uh, to, to be taken to a surgeon. So I, what I did was I drew her a picture. I said, this is where it is. It's at the top of the ureter tube. This is what I see. Please go see if you can find a specialist who will be willing to take your case and, and go further with it. I found out a couple of years later what happened. She uh, found a surgeon. Uh, she had a surgery, and she was out of pain for the first time in a long time. Unfortunately, she was so addicted to the opioids that she died of an overdose, tragically. Oh, yeah, that's tragic. So sad. Yeah. Well, think think about it. I mean, I, 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 it's hard for me to talk about it. It's such an, an emotional, tragic situation. What what really struck me not was only how how awful that was, but also what if her doctors had had a medical intuitive to consult with when all of the tests were inconclusive? Mm. What would have happened if she? had seen a medical intuitive sooner even, or if there had been some corroboration or collaboration rather between a medical intuitive and the medical conventional world. When I thought about it from that perspective, Gulda, I realized that this skill is potentially life-saving, right? Potentially life-saving. And we need to look at it that way. And it needs to be uh, um, a respected or welcomed or understood part of conventional healthcare. And well, by the way, let me just say, that's only one of hundreds of stories, hundreds of anecdotal stories and case studies from across the board uh, in medical intuition. When we start, and I, I think it's a when, not an if, blending the two practices, the, mm -hmm. the conventional medicine, as we call it, and mm -hmm. uh, medical intuition, do you think that we're going to uncover aspects of the physical body heretofore unknown? Well, I can tell you that some time ago when I was first starting out again, like 15, 17 years ago, I was seeing something that everybody knows about now that was not talked about, uh, a condition in the gut called SIBO, which is small, uh, a small intestinal 
a small intestine bowel overgrowth or something like that. It's when there's an overgrowth of bacteria in the small intestine specifically. And I was seeing that. And I was saying to my clients, I recall at the time, you know, tell your doctor this is where it is. And now the word SIBO is on, you know, every gastroenterologist knows it. So there are story after story about medical intuitives being able to see things ahead of the game. Yeah, before uh, we even know that it's an issue uh, as which far is, as the medicine goes. That's great. And we're, research, we're, yeah. We're, yeah. We're getting towards the end of our time together. <laughs> Wendy, what is your mission? Oh, my mission is to teach as many wellness uh, healthcare professionals as want to learn this as possible. I really see, I think, um, I hope medical intuition will be brought into educational uh, universities being I'd like it to be taught. I'd like it to be part of curriculum. I'd like to see a medical intuitive in every clinic, in every hospital, in every doctor's office. I think it would really help transform um, the system that is, you know, really suffering right now and, and patients who are not uh, getting the help that they need because conventional medicine isn't set up for that necessarily. Things like Lyme disease, um, chronic fatigue, these things that now we know more about, but medical intuitives were seeing years and years ago. We need more of this in the system. And that's my that's my mission. That's your mission. So do you think that, um, and again, we're running out of time, but mm-hmm. do you think that when we get people in the system that are doing medical intuitive and they can sit down with a doctor versus having to use the, um, the patient as a go-between, do you think that's going to change things? That is already happening, I'm very, very pleased to say. And in, in writing my upcoming book, I was able to interview a couple of doctors who are doing this now. There's a doctor who works directly with the medical intuitive in the examination room with the patient. It's brilliant. It's exactly the model that we want to see. And uh, um, I'm excited to share that with the world, and they're excited to share it too, the the doctor and the medical intuitive, because this is the model that we want. We want to see medical intuitives being part of the process to support the doctors in helping the patient. And that's really, it's patient-centered, really. It's not about the doctors, it's about the patient. (laughs) About the patient. Well, unfortunately, Wendy, we are out of time. Mm. I can't thank you enough for the work you're doing in the world and for coming on the show. Thank you so much, Quill. That's a pleasure. Our guest this hour has been Wendy Coulter. Wendy is the author of Essentials of Medical Intuition, A Visionary Approach to Wellness, a certified medical intuitive practitioner, certified wellness coach, certified biofield balance practitioner, and teacher. Her website, thepracticalpath.com. Remember, our entire information-packed past episode collection is available for listener download free of charge. Visit our archives at www.missionevolution.org for our ever-growing selection of guests and topics. This has been Mission Evolution with Gwilda Wiecka. We're coming to you on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net, and the Exxon TV channel, www.exxontvchannel.com. Join us next time as the mission continues, bringing information, resources, and support to our evolving world.